0: pretty soon. Oh, do we have to dismiss somebody or did they already go? There is a nursery. So, do they get dismissed formally or do you just trickle out as you get bored? Downstairs. But not the real uh, uh how what's the age on it? to 1? 0 to 1 or 2 or 3? Okay. I didn't want you to take all my audience, because the kids are the audience for this evening. Um, Sherry and I started coming to family camp when I was still pastoring the church in... Oh, by the way, thank you so much for inviting me back again. Uh, This is actually the third time uh, that I've had the privilege of speaking here. Um, We started attending family camp when I was still pastoring in Sonora, in the Northern California Presbytery, and we made the trek down with our kids when they were like this size and uh, camped out at Canyon Meadows, sometimes cool, sometimes very hot. And uh, so I was invited to speak um, once while I was still pastor in Northern California, I believe, and then the second time was in 1988. One time I spoke on the wisdom literature, one time I spoke on... Church discipline, but I can't remember which one was which. But 88 was church discipline. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. And what was my name again? Oh. Okay. Um, so here's what we're going to do in the evening. I like preaching to children. What's uh? Are you getting PA through this as well? Okay, that's fine. I mean, I because I tend to talk loud, and if the PA's on, then I just blast you against the back wall. But if you can't hear me for some reason, wake up. Then you'll hear me fine. Okay. Uh, having been to family camp for many, many times, I understand what happens, not so much tonight, although the adults are tired because they've been driving. But by tomorrow, after classes and running around in between classes and then swimming and then hiking and then playing ball and then running around some more, uh, by tomorrow night you're going to start being whipped. And it looks like it's going to be a warm year again, so um, uh, lengthy analytical theological discourses in the evening meetings are just a kiss of death for everybody. The speaker could even put themselves to sleep. So I I enjoy preaching to children, I get to uh, preach in the chapel at our Covenant Christian School every uh, Wednesday, and I'm, I'm thankful for that opportunity. And so this year I thought I would address the evening messages to the children. And those of you who are not children anymore are more than welcome to listen. Um, and uh, so I'm not going to have a big uh, you know, fire drill rearrangement tonight, but maybe, maybe you could sit in order of age tomorrow evening with the young children up and the old geezers in the back row. Okay. Uh, but I do need enough. Yeah, I was going to say I do need enough uh, mature responsible adults to help police the mass of small children in the front. Um, so, And we're going to talk about saints under construction. In the in the um, messages in the morning, we'll be talking about the peace and the unity of the church. Um, and I tried to pick something that would help the children in some way get on board with uh, what that's all about. Uh, and as little saints, they're... Under construction, they're growing up to be, I hope, uh, faithful, fruitful members of the body of Christ. Now, we don't want to do that very much. Okay. Unless I want to really emphasize a point, and then we'll, we'll put the reverb in. Boom. So, uh, let me come down there. And if any of you smaller kids that want to, want to come up closer, uh, you can either sit in a chair, sit on the floor here. And uh, we'll get started. Now, construction is an awful big word to use for kids. Do you know what construction means? Not really? Well, then you don't know what it means. If you know what it means, you can explain it to me somehow. Is it that hard to explain? Okay, not really. See? Listen up. To build something, right. Maybe to put something together. Um, So what kind of construction have you seen? We went through a detour today on the way up here, right? Probably because there was some road construction. What do they do when they do road construction? They uh, dig up the street, make you drive around. Yeah, come on up. Be brave. That's good. That's good. What about uh, building construction? When I was in school, I always got summer jobs working on a construction crew, usually on pretty big building projects. So one year I worked for bricklayers and one year I worked for reinforcing steel tires and one year I just did all of the nasty jobs that nobody else wanted to do uh, on big construction projects. And I was noticing in San Diego the other day there's so many cranes all over downtown San Diego. You know, big cranes for picking up heavy loads because they're putting up a building here and a building there and a building here and a building there. So, construction means building something. Building it up, in the case of some of those projects in San Diego. So, you young people, from the youngest ones on up to... Now, the only thing we have to do here is you have to watch me, okay? Okay? Because I know if you're watching me, maybe you're listening to me too, okay? But if you're not watching, I doubt you're listening. He's listening. See, he's got his eyes right on me, right? Yeah, good, good. So, whether you're small saints, or whether you're medium-sized saints, or whether you're teenage saints, or grown-up saints, we're all in the process of being built up into what God ultimately wants us to be. And so I thought it would be good for us in the evening to spend a little while thinking about growing up as children in the covenant. Now, you're all small and you're growing up as people while you're growing up as Christians. But some of the older people here, I bet, if I asked around, maybe have only been a Christian believer for a year, or two years, or three years. So even though they're grown, maybe they're old like me, but they're only babies in Jesus. They're just beginning to grow too. So we're all growing up to be saints, uh, we, uh, to be mature saints, full-grown saints. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. But to get started, I wanted us to think a little bit about who we are, who you are, because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're going to grow up to be. For example, you. Do you think you could ever grow up to be a Mercedes? No? No. What's a Mercedes? Oh, you don't know what a Mercedes is. Do you know what a Mercedes is? It's a car, so why wouldn't he grow up to be a Mercedes? Because he's a person, he's a boy, so you're going to grow up to be a man, you're not going to grow up to be a car, okay? So we have to know who we are in order to know what we're going to grow up to be, and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and I want us to think about who we are in Adam Who we are in Christ, and then we'll talk a little bit about what that means for who we are in the church. You guys want to come down here, or do you want to stay there? It's like watching TV, huh? Yeah, okay, good. You guys doing alright down there? This is a long... Okay, so to understand who we are in Adam, who's this Adam guy, by the way? Who's the Adam we always talk about in church? Yeah? Adam was the very first man that was uh, made, made from God. And he's uh, the one that uh, got, uh, ate the apple and, and it brought right here. All right. Adam was the first man created by God, but then he ate the apple. How do you know It's an apple. Uh, nah, uh, 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 uh. Somebody said the Bible said, but the Bible doesn't say what it was. But anyway, he ate the forbidden fruit and brought us up to where we are right now. Sort of. Whatever that means. Okay. And now we all know who Jesus is, right? Who is Jesus? Yes. The Son of God who became... A man, in order to do what? To die on the cross for our sins. Okay, we'll come back to that. So, in Adam and in Christ. So, I need my prop. You know what this is? Oh, I haven't got to him yet. What's this? It's a jar. Right? You know what a jar is? This is a jar with a lid used to have pickle relish in it and this is who porky pig dressed up as some outer space character I guess huh I just borrowed this from my grandson so I don't know exactly where it came from but for the next little bit this is you okay this is you okay so now we have to understand what it means to be in Adam and to be in Christ by thinking about outer space Porky, you, and the... Uh, what did you say this was? The jar. the jar. Okay. Now, right now, the jar is empty. Empty, right? Now, watch carefully. This is not a magic trick. Where is Porky? In the jar right correct do you all agree does anybody not agree the porky that is in the jar correct now i'm not going to put the lid on because i don't want him to suffocate okay porky is in the jar now here's the key thing to remember while porky is in the jar Whatever is true of the jar is true of Porky as well, right? right? Now, let's see if this works. Let's see if this works. Where's the jar? In, on, the ground. on the ground. Where's Porky? In the <laughs> jar, which puts him on the ground, right? Right? Okay, now let's see. Let's try this. Now, where's the jar? Now, where's Porky? How can Porky be on the box if the jar is in the ground? Because Porky isn't in the jar anymore, is he? But if I put Porky in the jar and the jar's on the ground, then Porky's on the ground. Right. Now, just for a moment, we'll put the lid on. Don't want to have an accident here. Now, you're going to have to answer this question real fast. Okay, ready? Where's the jar? Momentarily, in the air. Where is Porky? Why is Porky in the air? So, as long as Porky. Oh, let's let him have a breath. Okay. As long as Porky is in the jar, then whatever's true of the jar is true of Porky. So, if I put the jar. Um, where's the jar now? Under the, under the book, under the hymnal. That's right. And where's Porky? Under the, book. under the book because he's in the jar. Okay, you see, complex theology isn't that hard. All right, now, you understand if Porky is in the jar, then whatever is true of the jar is true of Porky. And what did I say a minute ago? Porky is going to be you. And you. And you. And you. And you. Okay, but now, now this is not a jar anymore. Now you have to think a little bit more carefully here. This isn't going to be quite so visual. Think about this jar as representing Adam. Okay? Adam and Eve, Adam. Okay? And this is you, so you, and it's me too, you and I are in, not the jar, it's not a jar anymore, in Adam, right, okay, so you are in Adam, that's right. Now, how do we know that we are in Adam? Because the Bible says so. The Bible teaches us, in many different passages, that all of us who have descended as human beings from our first parents, Adam and Eve, with one exception, and that was Jesus, we'll come back to Him in a minute, every one of us that have descended as human beings from our first parents are identified with Adam. We're in Adam. Now the reason I'm going through all of this is we need to understand then, whatever was true of Adam is true of you and me. Because we are in Adam, right? Now, what did we say Adam did? Well, let's, stop. Well, let's not say what Adam did yet. Let's, let's think about what God promised to Adam. God created Adam and Eve, put them in... Where did they live first? Did they live in New York City or...? In the garden. The garden of Eden. And that was a wonderful place, right? That God made for them to live. So they lived in the garden... Of Eden at first, and God told them to be fruitful, to have lots of children, to grow big families, and to multiply and to fill the earth, and to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature on the land. Right? He told them to do that. And then God gave them a test. How many of you are in school? School or homeschooling? Yeah? You have tests? Yeah. And why do why do people give tests to students? Kind of like a review. A review, yeah. I thought it was just to make students miserable, wasn't it? No. no, to see if you understand what you've learned, right? So, okay, sit down. So God gave Adam and Eve a test to see if they understood what he meant when he said, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over it." And the test was about that tree. God said you can eat from any tree in the garden as much as you want, but of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He said you must not eat from that one tree. So maybe there were a hundred trees in the Garden of Eden. I don't know how many were there. Only one, God said, don't eat that. And by giving them that test, He was going to find out whether Adam and Eve... Would obey him in everything that God told him to do. So he's going to find out by the one test question if they would be obedient in all of those things that God told him to do: be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Yes. Well, actually, he didn't want to find out; he already knew because so he had, He knows <laughs> everything. <laughs> what can I say? Okay. So how should I have said that? Maybe I should have said He wanted to help us find out. Or even help Adam and Eve find out. You're right. God knew everything. So He knew what the answer was going to be. And, and what happened? Did they eat from the tree or did they not eat from the tree? They ate. And in the day that they ate thereof, they surely died. So that was Adam and Eve. They ate of the tree that God had forbidden and they die. Now, this is the really important part. Okay, This is you and me, right? We're in Adam. So that means, what did we do with that tree? We weren't there, but because we are in Adam, we were in him when he ate from the tree and when he sinned against God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then when God said, you will surely die, we are in Adam. So when Adam died under the curse of God for his sin, so do we. So when we think about who we are in Adam, because of our relationship to him, we are born sinners subject to the curse of God's wrath. That means we don't have to wait until we're 10 or 15 or 25 to become sinners. We're sinners from the very beginning. The Bible says that from the moment that we are conceived, even before we're born, when we first begin to exist inside our mommy's tummies, we're already sinners. That's bad news, isn't it? So when we try to think about who we are and what we're going to grow up to be, let's say that was the end of the story. We're in Adam. We've sinned in Adam. We're subject to His wrath and curse. And nothing else happens in our whole life than what finally happens to us when we die. Anybody? You wise guys down there, what happens when we die if we're just left in Adam? No, not heaven. What? Hell. Eternal condemnation. Right. You ever heard that verse... Romans 3.23 that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 that says that the wages of sin is death. That's our problem. From the moment that we're born, when we're little teeny tiny, and you know you see that? When my grandson was born, he started throwing temper tantrums pretty early on. He didn't even know what to say yet, but he could let you know that he was unhappy about life. Till so he changed his diaper and then he was happy again. Right? Okay, so we've got, the, we've got the in Adam part. So the first thing you need to know about yourself is that by nature you are a sinner and that you're subject to the wrath and curse of God. And if nothing intervenes, if nothing changes your situation, you will die and experience eternal condemnation. And I would not want that for any one of you and not for me either. And that's why the good news is that God did intervene. He did send His Son. So we have to think about Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was the second Adam, the last Adam. And the Bible calls Him that because He was the other Unique human being, God, the eternal Son, came in the flesh, became a human being, lived in our world, but He wasn't just an heir of the first Adam, He was the beginning of a new human race. And so we have the same kind of relationship to Jesus as we have to the first Adam. We're in Adam, and now we can talk about being in Christ, So now the jar is not a jar. And the jar isn't Adam anymore. Now the jar is? Jesus. Okay, right. Jesus. So the jar is Jesus. That's easy to remember, right? And this is still who? All of us. Yes, all of us. And we're in, not the jar, in Jesus Christ. Now... What do you know about the life of Jesus? He was born in Bethlehem, right? Then what happened? He got killed on the cross. How come? Because of our sins. Because of our sins. Right. Well, why does somebody have to get killed on the cross because of our sins? We said it a minute ago, didn't we? What? You're not sure. Because the wages of sin. Is death. So, in order for sin to be taken care of, to be taken out of the way, a death has to occur. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the good news. That's the wonderful news. So, first of all, Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience to God. You know, you read the story of Jesus in the Bible, and there was nothing that He enjoyed more than being obedient to His Father's will. He just liked waking up every day thinking about what the Heavenly Father would like Him to do that day, and then He did it. And as He lived through His life, it got more and more difficult to walk the path that God had set out for Him But even though that cross began to come into his mind more and more, now again, he was God in the flesh, and so he already knew everything, but at the same time, he learned about things as well. Kind of paradoxical. Ooh, there's a big word. I won't use that. Kind of hard to grasp, right? Hard to understand. So he lived his life. He delighted to do the Father's will, but the Father's will ultimately was that he give up his life on the cross, in the place of His sheep, of His chosen people. So Jesus died. But then what happened? Yes? He rose again from the dead. When? On the, on, the thir- on the third day after His death. Right. And did anybody see Him? A lot of people saw Him. Again and again and again. And one time, even 500 people saw Him all at the same time. So He rose from the dead. Okay, so back to our jar, which is now Jesus. Jesus was the faithful covenant-keeping Son. He loved His heavenly Father. He delighted to do His Father's will. And then His Father's will finally was that He should die on the cross. And so Jesus died. And then what happened three days later? I'm sure glad you remember this stuff because I'm getting very forgetful. Yeah, three days later... He rose from the dead. Okay? Jesus obeyed God. He died. He rose again from the dead. Now, who's this? Us. If we are in, in Jesus, then what about us? With Well, heaven eventually. But let's first start with we died in Jesus. And we rose again in Jesus. And now we live a new life in Jesus, imitating His faithfulness, His love for God, and His obedience. So when we think about who we are, and of course that's the wonderful thing that God has done to deliver us from the wrath to come, the judgment to come. In Adam, all die. In Christ, all will be made alive. In Adam, we became sinners. In Christ, we become the righteousness of God through faith in Him. So that really bad news turns out to be the background for the really wonderful news. Now, we've got to talk finally about the church. Now here, my little object lesson doesn't work quite so neatly, so maybe we can thank... Porky Pig for his good work, and we can let him retire over here for a minute. Because we're in the church in a little bit different way than the, what I've been talking about—being in Adam and being in Christ. How many of uh, how many of you? Well, let me see. How do I want to find this out? Do you all go to church? Yes. 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 Have most of you been in church ever since you can remember? Yeah. A long time. Are you all baptized? Yes. You all been baptized? Uh huh. Uh huh. Were you baptized when you were a baby? Yes. Some of you, yes. All of you, probably. No, not you. You were what when you were five? I was baptized. Okay, so that must have been when your mommy and daddy came to the church that baptized you, right? Yeah. So some of you were baptized when you're very young. Some were baptized a little bit older. That's right. And some of us were baptized when we were all grown up when we came to faith in Christ and we came to the church. When we come to the church, that's sort of the first official thing that happens to us. We are baptized. And our baptism is a sign of these things that we've just been talking about. It reminds us that we are in Adam, and that in Adam we are sinners under the condemnation of God. But it also reminds us that by the grace of God we are in Christ. Sit up straight. We're almost done. All you have to hang in here for a few more minutes. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It also signifies that we are in Jesus. We're in Christ. And so the benefits of His death and resurrection are ours as well. And so from very early on, we try to teach you about what God has done for you even before you knew that He'd done anything for you. See, if you were baptized when you were a little baby, you probably didn't know what was going on. I think it's kind of, to me, you know, I baptize babies from time to time, and some of them they're awake when I baptize them, some of them are asleep when I baptize them, some of them wake up while I baptize them when the water hits them, and some of them sleep right through the whole thing, and so they're not going to know it even happened unless they watch the videotape when they're five years old, you know. So you don't know unless you're older, what was going on. But God was doing something very wonderful for you. You know, none of us get to pick where we're born or in what family we're born. And so it's God's sovereign grace and mercy that allows us to be born into a family of faith. Moms and dads who love the Lord and who embrace the promise that God has made to us as children. And so they want you to have that sign and seal of baptism from the very beginning. Either when they join the church, and maybe you're a little bit older, or maybe they've already been in the church for a while, and then they have you, they have a baby, and so they bring you when you're very, very tiny, very, very young. But as you grow up to as old as you are right now, you can begin to think about what that baptism signified. It signified the need to be washed clean. We use water. Water represents purification. What do we need to be purified from? What, what makes us dirty? Okay. Our sin. Because we are... Help! Help! How come we're sinners? Because of Adam. Because of Adam. Thank you very much. You can stay. It's going to be my theological consultant here, right? All right. we are in Adam, and so we sin. We're under the wrath and curse of God, but Jesus came into the world to purify us from sin. But we not only have a problem with guilt, we have a problem with having a twisted, corrupted nature as well. We think like Adam. We talk like Adam. We act like Adam unless the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. And baptism also symbolizes the renewal, the transformation of our nature by the Holy Spirit working in us. And so as we're under construction, as we're growing up as saints, one of the things that we need to learn is who we are. And our baptism testifies to us. And it's not just our baptism. Sunday school lessons tell us. Family devotions tell us. Sermons from your pastor tell you that you are in Jesus Christ and that you should love Him and serve Him and trust Him absolutely for the forgiveness of your sins and for the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to us to live new lives. Now, tomorrow and the next night, uh, if I can find my way back here again, we'll talk about what sort of things we should grow up, to be and to do. And, uh, and uh, we'll uh, think about growing in our knowledge of God, growing in our ability to worship God, growing in our ability to serve God within the body of Christ, uh, different things like that. And I figured it would probably take me a couple of nights because I don't want to keep you too long because you get too fidgety. So let's review. <coughs> in, oh, Let me get Porky back here a second. This is a what? A jar, which sometimes represents Adam and at other times represents Jesus. This is outer space Porky, who always represented us. And so, if this jar is Adam and we are in Adam, what's the result? Well, that's the ultimate result. Sin, which leads to death under the condemnation of God, right? But if this jar is now Jesus, and this is you, and you are in Jesus, now what? <clears throat> We're saved. That's the easy answer. How are we, what are we saved from? The guilt of sin. We have a bad record and God wipes that record clean because Jesus paid it all on the cross, and we get not only a record taken care of, but a new heart, a new nature. And who gives us a new nature? God. God's the right answer to everything. Who gives us a new nature? God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. It's His special job. And uh, I think he likes it when we notice that he's the one that gives us a new nature, a new life. And what is it that symbolizes and seals that blessed reality of the new covenant? We talked about it a minute ago. It starts with a B. Thank you very much. Baptism. Right, right. But baptism all by itself doesn't do us any good. We have to understand as we grow and live the life that baptism portrays for us as the Spirit of God works within us. Okay, let's sing another song. Well, let's pray, and then we'll sing another song, and then we'll be finished for tonight. Thank you for coming up here and being uh, so attentive and theologically astute. I salute you. I am Jesus, little lamb. It is number 643. 643. Why don't you go where you can find a hymnal if you're old enough to read and then you can sing it along with us. Okay? 643. I am Jesus' little lamb. Oh, I said we were going to pray first. I'm sorry. I'm just so... Okay, good. Okay, let's sing. We got our hymnals out. Then we'll pray. I guess it doesn't really matter whether we pray first or sing first, does it? No. It's okay with you we sing first? I am Jesus' little lamb. I am Jesus' little lamb Ever glad at heart I am For my shepherd gently guides me Knows my need and well provides me. Loves me every day the same. Even calls me by my name. Day by day at home away. Jesus is my staff and stay. When I hunger, Jesus feeds me. Into pleasant pastures leads me. When I thirsty bids me go where the quiet waters flow, who oh, so happy as I am, even now the shepherd's lamb, and when my short life is ended, by his angel hosts attended, he shall fold me to his breast. There within His arms to rest. Let's pray. Great and glorious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how thankful we are for the privileges of grace that are ours, uh, even from our infancy. Uh, When you bring us through birth into the covenant family of the church, when you give us moms and dads who love you and who want to see um, the salvation that they have come to enjoy be shared with their children after them. They want to be faithful to your command and uh, obedient um, to your word. And so we, uh, many of us, receive that sign and seal when we're very, very small. Others of us, Lord, um, spend a lot of time messing up and living in blindness and foolishness and selfishness. And then you caught hold of us, and by your Spirit you turned us. We came to see who Jesus was. And we were grown up when we received that very same sign, but it means the same thing. It acknowledges that we are by nature sinners and subject to your wrath and curse. But it celebrates the glory of redemption that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son. That by faith we might be in Christ, that our sins might be pardoned, and that we might be transformed and renewed in our nature. And Lord, we thank you that you have commanded parents, and indeed the whole church, to bring the little ones up in the nurture and the discipline of the Lord. And we pray that as we think about that, we can rejoice in the way, through the various stages of life, you bring us into a fruitful discipleship. Lord, You're the one that said that if we train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we pray that we'll be very self-conscious, very alert, very careful about feeding and teaching and disciplining Your little ones, that they might grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior. And we ask these mercies for Jesus' sake. Amen. We have a couple more announcements from on high. There he is.